This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI. I'm Dave Brown, joined by Joita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. We have one more topic on deck. Ontario is proposing some energy efficiency ideas, including offering incentive to su- incentives to some customers to use less air conditioning on hot days. Energy Minister Todd Smith asked the independent electricity system operator to suggest new conservation initiatives. Households with central air conditioning and a smart thermostat can volunteer to allow the system operator to reduce their cooling load for bringing down the peak demand in the summer in exchange for getting paid what continues to be an unspecified incentive. Meanwhile, Italy has a new plan to deal with rising energy costs. Don't heat your home in the winter. Megan Williams has the story. New rules are on the way for heating with gas in Italy this winter, with centrally heated buildings and private homes obliged to turn on the heat two weeks later than usual and off a week earlier in spring and to keep temperatures under 19 degrees Celsius or 66 Fahrenheit. The new restrictions will apply to all buildings except places of worship, nurseries, kindergartens and swimming pools. The energy-saving plan is aimed at tackling Europe's energy crisis after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Authorities say they'll carry out spot checks to make sure the rules are followed. Megan Williams, ABC News, Rome. Megan Williams is the best. I love that she gives the Celsius and the Fahrenheit conversion. That's the kind of information we need because I can't do that kind of math on the spot. Let's jump into these policy proposals because... On their face, they don't strike me as egregious or awful, but they do strike me as Band-Aid solutions as opposed to real solutions. You know, just moving the pieces around on the checkers board while maybe not considering changing the game. What do you think, Michelle? I think they're interesting proposals. I I keep trying to wrap my head around 19 as a peak and that I I keep having to adjust my thinking to remember that Italy does not have the kind of winters that we're accustomed to in Canada. Certainly not. 19 would not cut it for these Canadian winters, uh, even for someone who runs warm like I do. Um, But I, I... it's interesting. I, I'm not quite sure what to make of them. I think they're 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 very politically risky moves, which to me speaks to the severity of the situation. So I don't know if I'm willing to say that they're just band-aid solutions, although they probably are. But it, I think it speaks to the the, the fact that this is a, a a more major crisis than perhaps people were willing to acknowledge in the past. And I think more about the fallout rather than the policy itself, just because this is really going to get everyday people fired up in a very different way than we might have been accustomed to on this sort of issue. Yeah, I I can imagine that people might get a little bit uh, finicky about the idea of saying, you mean I can only put my heat on two weeks later? It's getting shut off a week earlier, especially in sort of larger buildings. And we'll explore that maybe a little bit more deeply in a moment. But Joita, I want to give you the opportunity for your general impression on these policy proposals, because they're not the same, but they're not entirely different. Isn't it an interesting move by the Ford government, the very same Ford government that just as as soon as it got elected, turned around and cancelled incentives for electric cars. So, so much for, you know, doing things for the the environment. You know, I agree with you, Dave. I think it's a bit of a, and Michelle too. I agree with Michelle in the sense that I think this is going to get everyday people riled up. But I agree with Dave in that I think the major uh, contributors to environmental degradation and climate change is industry and not individuals. Um, And instead of tackling 
the carbon output from indus industry. The government of Ontario, at least, is trying to slap a Band-Aid on this and show that they're doing something for the environment or to tackle climate change without and, 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 and promote energy conservation without actually doing anything of substance. The issue with Italy, um, I don't have as much context, but just going off of what Megan Williams has said, uh, it sounds like it might be a temporary measure to deal with the energy shortfall caused mm -hmm. by the war in mm -hmm. Ukraine. So I would suspect that they'll probably put things back to the way they were after that's all been ironed out. But even if it hasn't, um, low as I am to say it, with global warming, probably starting heating two weeks later in the year and uh, suspending heating or putting it off to a, a week ahead in the spring, probably won't be as detrimental to people as we might at first think, especially because our summers tend to be longer and warmer. Uh, so just, you know, accounting for the changing climate that, that we all so often talk about. Mm. Judah, I want to stay with you and coming back to Ontario, because I want to ask a personal question and then we'll broaden this out again. What kind of incentive would it take to have you turn off your AC during a hot day? Probably not very much. I mean, I don't turn it on all that much to begin with. I tend to be very cold all the time. With that said, I can't really put. <laughs> with that said, I can't really put my finger on a dollar amount that would actually be an incentive. But what I might consider is the provision, especially in like I live in a condo building, or if you live in a multi-residential apartment building, the provision of an adequate cooling room. Mm, I would consider mm. situations where we also amend building codes to allow for things like breezeways, at least in the summer that's a really good way to tackle mm. temperatures so there are other things that can also be done to reduce uh that aside from an incentive that can that maybe will be uh a, a bit of an opening for people to turn off that air conditioning and try to get cool in the summer in other ways i am overweight and hairy but even when i was skinny and less hairy <laughs> i still ran extremely hot it would take a lot during the summer my, my unit we all we all live in in multi-residential buildings my unit gets extremely hot even yesterday when it's relatively cold outside I don't even have the heating on in my unit, and it was up to 76 Celsius, just naturally, just on the heat of the building, which I find to be uncomfortably hot. So for me, it would actually take a pretty good dollar amount for me to give away my AC when it's 35 degrees outside and 35 degrees in my apartment. Michelle, what about you? Dave, are we neighbors? It was 25 degrees Celsius in my apartment yesterday. Oof, oof, oof. Yeah. Um, so nice. No, so not. Anyway, <laughs> um, I am on Team Dave, I'm afraid, when it comes to the AC, but I will say I would be willing, if you're talking about peak temperatures, I'm willing to suffer through the heat a little bit more during the day. Where I will not budge is at night. I cannot sleep if it's too hot. You do not want me to lose my sleep because then I'm an absolute nightmare on wheels and you don't want to deal with that. So. Um, I would be much more inclined to to make the sacrifice during the day because I, I do see value, of course, in not necessarily cooling things down to the degree where I'm comfortable. So I'd be will I would be willing to compromise during the day, less so for sleep. Mm. Um, Holy first world problems, Batman. Not for all. sure, for, but but I think but we've but we've talked about the concept of AC as a human right a couple times with heat waves and we some did. of the deaths yeah. and some of the reports that have come out. So like we know that it's not just necessarily our first world problems. There are people who've gone through legitimate suffering and loss of life as a result of poor urban planning and a lack of proper cooling. So you have to be careful with. But you I have think to be it's important to policies. specify that this is not. You're right, but I feel like it's worth pointing out that none of this really applies to any of the three of us. Oh, well, for sure, for sure. <laughs> 
sure. Okay, here's where I start making a little bit of a, a let's call it a serious argument that I can already acknowledge is a stretch. But do these policies seem like they could both end up being a little bit discriminatory, not to put myself in the premier Daniel Smith uh, category? In Italy, larger buildings are being targeted. So that means renters don't get to decide when they get heat and people who own homes do. In the case of Ontario, we're giving homeowners with the luxury of central IC extra financial rewards. Okay, like maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but what do you think, Joita? I think you're onto something there, especially with homeowners who not only have the luxury of air conditioning, but might be rich enough to have a cottage and they'll just decamp to the cottage when it gets really hot. So I think there are definitely uh, resonances here where we are, uh, like I said, it is a Band-Aid solution. They're not getting at the, the crux of the problem. So they're targeting so, you know, segments of the population and pitching this as you're doing something good for the environment or you know, you're trying to save energy and that's going to help all of us. But really the people who are going to be most let down by this especially in the in Ontario in the summer, are tenants and low-income renters in high-rise apartments because their landlords are not going to have an, an incentive, uh, not that air conditioning is required anyways, but at least in those buildings where central AC is provided, landlords are not going to get an incentive to turn down mm. the temperature. And mm. we know there's a lot of people with disabilities who really struggle because they can't leave their apartments in, as like compared to a rich person who has a cottage and a car. Michelle? I, I had a sense Joita was going to run sh- ride shotgun with me on that. Should we be getting an old 1980s Oldsmobile and putting the three-person front seats? Please, yeah, that'd be great. Because I, I strong, I think you're onto something too. And I, and I do wonder about the impact on renters, even in any building where central AC is provided in Ontario, because is the incentive going to go to the landlord, or do those of us with metered connections who pay our own hydro do? Are we going to be able to to call those shots? Uh, it's Italy, really where I think the potential for discrimination is more pronounced simply because the Ontario one is more voluntary and there's still a lot of details that are not out. So I I am a bit more hesitant to weigh in on a plan Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. incomplete. That's Uh, fair. We we simply don't know uh, how it's going to (laughs) look. But the Italy one, for sure, uh, it's a very broad brush that they're painting with, and I think it's inevitable that uh, some important groups get unfortunately painted over or painted into a corner. Michelle, this is where we say goodbye to you for the day, but we'll talk to you on Monday morning uh, to start to start our week in the right direction, so thank you very you much sure for this. sure will. Take care, everybody. That is Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Joita, before I say goodbye to you, you guys dropped a really interesting episode of The Pulse yesterday. Yes, proud stutter with Maya Chupkov. She is a great talker and very insightful t- discussing not just the, uh, you know, her journey as someone who went from being afraid of her stutter and being afraid to speak to embracing the, a, the, a podcast as a medium to put the word out and to change social conversations and norms about stuttering to say that if you stutter, that is a part of human diversity and linguistic diversity. I would really encourage you to check it out on YouTube, on podcasts, or, you know, I think, uh, yeah, YouTube and podcast YouTube now. And, and podcast. it airs a, yeah. yeah, and it airs a couple of times on AMI audio, but don't ask me when. <laughs> Thursdays at 1.30 is the original broadcast, and then uh, the wheel the wheel repeats itself. But yeah, absolutely. Podcast format as well as on YouTube. Uh, Joita, it sounds like the take police are coming for you. The sirens are buzzing, so we're going to say goodbye to you. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. <laughs> That's Joita Gupta, <laughs> the host of The Pulse, which you can find on AMI audio. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. 
Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.